Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Glad you're with us. Thanks for being here. Baltimore and surrounding jurisdictions face many challenges that are best addressed from a regional rather than a local perspective. Yesterday, for example, Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott and Baltimore County Executive Johnny Olszewski held a press conference with members of the Maryland General Assembly to announce the creation of a task force to study how to modernize the governance of the water and wastewater facilities, which serve both jurisdictions. Scott and Olszewski, along with other elected officials from the Baltimore metro area, are part of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council, an organization that encourages cooperation between jurisdictions to promote economic vitality and quality of life for the region. Transportation is one of those issues that cries out for regional coordination and cooperation. The BMC has just released a report that studied how best to organize the governance and funding for regional transit. Delegate Tony Bridges, who represents District 41 in Baltimore City, chaired the work group that developed five recommendations for transit, and we're going to talk about them today. Yesterday, I spoke with Delegate Bridges. Here's our conversation. Delegate Bridges, welcome to the show. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. So let's start with uh, what you... Uh, what your mandate was. What did, what did you want to accomplish with this work group that you put together to develop this report? Yeah, I appreciate that. So with this uh, work group, there was a lot that actually happened before I even got into uh, the office of delegate. Um, Brooke Learman, uh, actually Comptroller Learman now, when she was a delegate, had a bill that sort of created this oversight board for the MTA that eventually got vetoed by the governor. Um, And so we've been trying to think of ways, uh, creative ways to make sure that as transit projects come into be, uh, especially for the Baltimore region, then there is some sort of oversight that uh, helps to make sure that there's some local voice into maintaining a project like a red line. And so for me, it was all about uh, making sure that you know, we had a, a, a way to put guardrails around major projects that were coming to local jurisdictions and make sure that local jurisdictions actually had a voice um, in those projects and, and the, maintaining those projects over time. And so that's the way that this all started. And honestly, once we started digging a little bit, it became much more than just thinking about a way to uh, put those guardrails in effect. Uh, you know, we had started thinking about a regional transit authority, and once we started thinking about a regional transit authority, it went into even looking at the state level, and, and ultimately we came out with five recommendations that the uh, work group thought would really help us with um, looking at the region and making sure that there was a local as well as a state component to how we did uh, transportation or transit projects moving forward. And we're going to be talking about those recommendations uh, in a little bit, but uh, tell us about the makeup of the work group. Who did you want to hear from uh, when it came to uh, exploring these issues about transit? Yeah, so transportation, uh, transit is, is really big in the Baltimore region, but it's bigger than just Baltimore City. I mean, during the pandemic, we saw that, um, you know, ridership actually went down, but sort of plateaued when it came to the the Baltimore region, the greater Baltimore region. And so we know that people in this area have a reliance on the uh, transportation system. And so uh, in putting together this uh, work group, we asked uh, the mayor, 
the Baltimore County Executive, Howard County Executive, and Anne Arundel County Executive, if they could assign individuals from their jurisdictions with certain background and knowledge, whether it was around development uh, or from being from the local community, uh, being a rider uh, on the system, individuals that had a stake into what would happen with the governance and, and uh, funding structure of the transportation system, we wanted them all to be a part of this work group. And so I'm excited that the membership, uh, about the makeup of this membership, I mean, we had a former um, administrator for the MTA that was part of this work group. We had um, the uh, transportation and uh, public works director for Baltimore County that was part of the work group. Um, you know, business leaders, uh, it was just a really good mix of individuals who really wanted to see something more than just talk uh, or wanted to do something more than just talk about what should happen with transit. They really wanted to put plans uh, and actions into effect. And so um, I was excited to lead this this work group and, and come up with these recommendations. And, you know, for uh, a long time, uh, folks like you in the, the the city delegation, the Baltimore City delegation in Annapolis have talked about a lack of investment in transit in Baltimore. Governor Moore has included $500 million for transportation uh, issues, although he's, he has not specified uh, how that money specifically will be spent. What are your hopes? What are your recommendations to the governor? Um, as part of the delegation uh, from this area, from you know, from the city, and and uh, working on this work group regionally, what do you hope the governor will uh, will use some of those funds that are in this current budget for? Yeah, so I'm excited about the fact that we have a governor that's even interested in transportation and transit projects for the Baltimore region. Uh, I mean, you know, not to go back, uh, you know, too far, but there was a time when. Uh, the Secretary of Transportation mentioned all the truck projects across the state and Baltimore City wasn't even on the map. And so to say that we have $500 million that's put in the budget for projects um, across the state specific for transportation is a really big deal. And we are, I'm, I'm definitely interested in sitting down and talking to the governor about what those priorities uh, should be. But I also feel like there are a number of things that we already know. There's a backlog in terms of maintenance and operations issues um, with uh, uh, the MTA specifically and some of the uh, buses, trains, and things that, you know, we really need to catch up and make sure that we don't have a breakdown in the system. Um, you know, the governor's been talking a lot about the red line, um, and there's actually an east-west sort of study going on right now um, where we can actually begin to do things like maybe an environmental study um, to sort of look at what the impact uh, would be on creating sort of an east-west railway, um, maybe not the, the red line um, as it was, but what can it be moving forward? And so I think those sort of uh, projects and, and actually working with um, not just Baltimore City, but also thinking about regionally how we collaborate with Baltimore County, our county, uh, and even Anne Arundel County and figuring out projects together, that was one of the recommendations that came out of this uh, governance and funding work group. And so it would be um, you know, beneficial for all of us involved to really sit down and talk about what that looks like in terms of this $500 million. And we know the $500 million is, is uh, there's only uh, so far that that funding can go, but we are at least excited to know that there is funding and a priority on transportation that's in the governor's budget. 
Delegate Tony Bridges, who represents Baltimore City in the House of Delegates, he chaired the work groups of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council that produced a report that was released Monday with recommendations for new ways to govern and fund transit in the Baltimore region. Delegate Bridges and I spoke yesterday afternoon. We turn now to the executive director of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council, Mike Kelly. Mike, welcome. Good to see you. Hey, Tom. Good afternoon. It's great to be here. And also joining us is Mark Anthony Thomas, the president and CEO of the Greater Baltimore Committee. Mark, welcome. Thank you. So let me start uh, by asking you guys to uh, explain uh, your organizations and what you do. Mark, let's start with you. You're new to town, six weeks on the job. So welcome to town as well as welcome to the show. But tell us about the GBC. Who's your constituency and what's your mission? Sounds good. Um, So GBC was founded back in 1955. Um, a lot of people know us as really being the voice for business and advocating for a, a much more favorable business climate for companies to grow and expand. Um, we also play a heavy role in other issues that just improve the quality of life of people in Baltimore. And so as a new CEO, I'm overseeing the traditional GBC, but also the merger with the Economic Alliance to really position us to be much more impactful moving forward. Yeah, so two organizations uh, becoming one. That's correct. Uh, But again, the interest of the business community in particular, uh, high on your agenda. Yes. And Mike Kelly, the uh, Baltimore Metropolitan Council is all about regional cooperation. Absolutely. We are the Regional Council of Governments um, for Central Maryland, and our primary role is to help Baltimore City and the surrounding jurisdictions plan uh, for all sorts of transportation projects. But in addition to that, we work on issues ranging from procurement to emergency preparedness to housing uh, and reservoir protection. So anything that the jurisdictions want to do to partner on on the regional level, we're a great avenue for them to do that. So, uh, Mike, this this work group that uh, Delegate Bridges uh, chaired uh, was animated in large part by Governor Hogan's decision to cancel the red line eight years ago, 2015. Um, tell us the, the, the reasons behind uh, your thinking as to why you needed a work group to study uh, this issue. So Delegate Bridges, who is also a member of our board of directors, um, he had a bill in last year to study the, um, uh, the funding and governance of MTA. And MTA itself um, is unique among large transit agencies in the country. It's the only one without a board of directors Uh, I believe it's the only one housed in state government. And there's not a lot of opportunity for the local jurisdictions that are most impacted by transit operations to weigh in. Um, And there's really not a lot of opportunity for those jurisdictions to champion and support and be a part of planning the the transit lines that mean so much to their businesses and their residents. And that was sort of the delegate's foundation for why he wanted to start us looking at this. And uh, Mark Thomas, in terms of your membership, the business community here in Baltimore, uh, without input uh, from city government, from the other uh, jurisdictions that are adjacent to Baltimore City, uh, I would imagine that that's a big issue, uh, that, that folks in the business community would want a, a, very, uh, a very prominent seat at that table when uh, those decisions are being made. That's correct. And in total, we have 500 plus members. And uh, obviously it's primarily business, but we do have a lot of nonprofits, universities, all organizations that are invested in the future of the region. And you can't have that without having a strong transportation infrastructure. And so the seats that we've created and the tables that we sit at um, require really the type of vision that they've put together in this document. 
And Mike, this document um, is is one of a long line of other studies <laughs> and documents, <laughs> and you you uh, outline many of them starting back in 2015. There was an assessment done by uh, the Baltimore Metropolitan Council in 2018. There was another one. Uh, the legislature passed a bill to require uh, the Maryland Transit Association or administration to establish a commission to develop a regional transit plan. I mean, this this ain't a new idea uh, to, to study this and come up with recommendations. But um, the, the core issue of local input and the fact that the MTA doesn't have any overarching board, um, why is that important? Why does the, the MTA need some other you know, uh, in, in, the involvement of some other body? So I'll give you two reasons. One is that the way Maryland and most states are structured, um, land use is really controlled at the local level. And more and more when successful regions are talking about transit, they're talking about transit-oriented development. There has to be a seamless marriage of land use and transit to make the system work best for everybody. Um, And without a local voice in the planning of the system, it's really hard to make that happen. The other reason is that when we have a governor who was not predisposed to support transit in Baltimore, we saw what happened. Um, There was a lack of investment in the system. Uh, Attention was spent in other places. Even MTA itself, which initially in, in 1970 was created to be Baltimore's transit agency, the first rail project they've built since 1993 is 30 miles from Baltimore City. It's the Purple Line, which is a great project. But it's not one that is directly benefiting the people that MTA was formed to benefit. And uh, Mark Anthony Thomas, in in terms of the the business community's uh, interest in transit, um, what are you hearing from your membership about the efficacy, the 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 success of the current transit system? I mean, do have they identified transit as something that is woefully inadequate that needs to be improved? Yes, and I think for what I've heard in the time I've been here is a consistent theme where people felt that transit was a very low priority, at least at the state level, and that we people were kind of resigned that we were stuck with the system that we were given, knowing that that is not a system that will be competitive for the jobs of the future or serve the existing needs of businesses and residents. And so there's this moment now to rethink what is possible and there's been a ton of great research that really give us a marketplace of ideas to start from. It's interesting because I've talked to some folks involved in the transit uh, issues, and they um, they criticized GBC back in the day when Governor Hogan uh, canceled the red line for not really standing up and uh, and making much of a fuss. I mean, has has that thinking changed? Do you think? I mean, obviously, this is way before yeah, you showed up. You know, yeah. If anything, I've taken on the task to unify our board and our members around a singular vision. And so it's hard, obviously, to go back eight years and, 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 and kind of litigate what wasn't done. But I do know, know moving forward, literally, when you think about just the, what we're competing against, and to me, that's the lens I think about this. Right. And who, what what are we competing against? Really for jobs and opportunities in the future, right? And so the reasons that can coalesce around an economy that they want to build together, um, a transportation infrastructure that supports that, are the places that we'll see jobs and people flow. 
And so we know that the current system will never get us there. And so that is like a reality that we'd either watch failure for the next 10 years or we figure out how do we then support a, a smart strategy that supports the broader goals we have. And Mike Kelly, uh, there are five recommendations. You say that all five need to be implemented concurrently, so they're not one at a time. Um, and we'll talk about each of them. The first is to create this thing called a Baltimore Regional Transit Commission. What would be their, uh, their mandate? So this recommendation is essentially putting a a commission or a board over the local service of MTA with very specific and limited powers. And they would oversee the, um, their purview would be the local buses, the light rail, uh, the metro, and mark investments in our region. And the way we laid it out, they would have two main jobs. One is to approve the administrator's budget request um, to the secretary and the governor every year. And the other is to approve updates to the regional transit plan. And when the work group looked at the potential of this group, you know, weighing in on the budget and weighing in on the projects really, or the plan really pointed towards projects. And what this group, I think, as Delegate Bridges said, is really intended to do is to be guardrails on promised investments in our system. And with the idea is that it would be a group of champions and a group of influential supporters who would speak up for transit in ways that no one has before in Baltimore. If there were a transit commission in place in 2015, when then-Governor Hogan moved to cancel the red line, um, in that instance, a commission could have uh, certainly influenced that decision, perhaps even overturned it. Absolutely. They would have had the chance to weigh in on um, whether or not that project was in the budget. Um, and, and I think more importantly, they would have had the opportunity to talk about why the red line was important. And when that decision was made, there was silence on that issue, which um, I think that silence was heard by all of the communities that had supported the red line for 10 years and been promised that project. Mike Kelly is the executive director of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council. Mark Anthony Thomas is the president and CEO of the Greater Baltimore Committee. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, more on what should and could be done to improve our region's transit system. You can join us here at Midday, 410-662-8780. You can email us midday at wipr.org. You can tweet us at Midday WIPR. I'm Tom Hall. Stay with us. You're listening to Baltimore's NPR News Station, 88.1 WYPR. And welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. By the way, coming up tomorrow, a conversation with Howard County Executive Calvin Ball about the top issues facing his jurisdiction. We'll also have a recap of Governor Wes Moore's first State of the State address, which he is delivering at this hour at the State House in Annapolis. WIPR's Matt Bush will tell us what the governor has top of mind as he sets priorities for his first legislative session. So that's coming up tomorrow on Midday. If you've just joined us today, we're talking about a new report on how to govern and how to fund the region's transit system. Mark 
Anthony Thomas is the president and CEO of the Greater Baltimore Committee, an organization that represents the private sector and nonprofits on a variety of issues, including transportation. Mike Kelly is the executive director of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council, a network of local leaders that facilitates cross-jurisdictional cooperation. To join us, we're at 410-662-8780, our email midday at wipr.org. You can tweet us at midday. WIPR. So, Mike, to step back before the break, we were talking about the first recommendation, which is to establish this commission. Um, and when you say that it would o- oversee, you know, local uh, bus, subway, light rail, it's not just for the city of Baltimore. Uh, wh- where else would that, wh- what else would it encompass? So the commission would focus on MTA's core service area, which is essentially anywhere local MTA buses run, which is Baltimore City, Baltimore County. Um, a little bit of Anne Arundel County, and then Howard County, which has an existing uh, local bus line, but was interested in being part of this process. Yeah, so so right now the city of Baltimore has its own thing, Anne Arundel County has its own thing, Howard County has its own thing, right? They all are, all in addition to MTA. Yes. Yeah, in addition. So it, it's it's bulky at best. Um, and and Mark Anthony Thomas, um, people uh, point to the cancellation of the red line as being a real. Uh, just arrow in the heart of business development, economic development. Are you hearing, in terms of east-west uh, mobility in the city, which the red line would have addressed? Uh, and believe me, there are plenty of folks in Baltimore. Larry Hogan wasn't the only person who didn't like the red line. There was plenty of local folks who, who opposed it at the time. But uh, wh- what are your members telling you about what it would mean if there were a meaningful you know, uh, efficient uh, way to get cross town from east to west in terms of employment. Well, I think the primary th- things are, are that obviously would improve connectivity and also access points, right? And, and so people know that the bottlenecks exist. They know that the traffic patterns, they know that there are limitations on who has access to kind of get to the job centers that would have connected. And so looking back, it would have made tremendous progress on addressing those issues. I think where there's an opportunity, and you hear reference to this, is that any future red line would look different or it wouldn't necessarily follow the same path that was created before. And so it's a meaningful path to have a discussion on what would be needed now. And Mike Kelly, one of the things that a commission would accomplish or, or mitigate against is the changing whims of changing administrations, too. The commission would uh, outlast any particular administration. So now we have in Westmore a governor who is certainly uh, much more open to the idea of public transit than the last governor was. Um, who knows who the next governor will be? I mean, a commission would, would address that issue as well. We wouldn't necessarily be so uh, subject to the whims of any particular administration. That's right. These these projects take over a decade to create. Um, the it, it, as much as we would like to see the red line built as it was planned tomorrow, or at least some people would. That's not the way the funding works. That's not the way these projects work. And most likely, any major major project is going to last longer than the eight years that Westmore may be in office. And so, by having staggered terms on the commission. You are creating those guardrails, and it's what Delegate Bridges was saying at the outset. That's really a critical part of what we're looking at. And Mark Anthony Thomas, one of the goals of creating this uh, regional transit commission 
uh, would be to cre create transparency in the budgeting. Um, why is that important? Why why uh, is it is it is it thought to be not transparent right now? Uh, and what, what what sorts of information needs to be out there that's not readily accessible now? Yeah, and that's one of the areas I'm still learning, honestly. But the idea of it being put forth as a recommendation speaks to the feelings that people clearly have. Um, and in creating that transparency, and it also gives space for people to weigh in, for people to analyze and interpret things before they kind of make it to the voting floor, right? And so my sense is that's what it's referencing, is that space for us to actually come to some consensus on what's being proposed before there is a line item that we see. Yeah. And Mike Kelly, you would agree with that? It, that's right. I mean, right now, the way the process works, the, the administrator makes a request to the secretary and it makes its way to the governor's office. And it's So this is the administrator of the MTA, MTA, the Maryland Transit Administration. It was a woman named Holly Armstrong, right, who was appointed by Governor Hogan a year ago. Or uh, so. Holly Arnold, who's been a, tra Arnold, a, a transit planner um, uh, for a long time here in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. And then to the secretary of transportation, uh, Westmore just uh, appointed a new Secretary of Transportation, uh, Mr. Wiedefeld. Is that his name? Am I getting that right? Uh, Paul Wiedefeld, who is a known quantity in Maryland as well. Mm -hmm. um, so so that process then uh, would change uh, how if there were a commission? It, it's sort of like what Mark was saying. There would be a public hearing of, of this commission meeting to talk about what the budget request looked like. It would be a, a, an open meeting where it could be discussed, where commissioners could ask questions in a public forum, where the public could come. And it would be a chance to bolster the things the administrator wants to do. One of the um, delegate bridges mentioned that we had a former administrator on our work group, uh, Ron Hartman, who was the administrator in 1993. And Ron said that when he, when he had ideas that the secretary or governor, and, and it was Governor Schaefer, didn't like, that idea was done. He didn't have a chance to push for it in any other way. And I'm sure that Holly struggled with this um, in her time as administrator as well. And it's a chance to to have more voices than just the administrator pushing for transit investment in the administration. And your second recommendation is to require regional priorities for what's called the Consolidated Transportation Plan, the CTP. All right. So why are regional priorities uh, at this point uh, being, are, are they being ignored? I'm not sure they're being ignored, but they're not being officially voiced. And Transportation dollars around the country are allocated regionally. That's why my organization exists. But we don't have a role in the budget request process. And all we're suggesting there, this is really sort of the simplest of our recommendations, is that Baltimore City and the surrounding counties come together and identify one or two key priority projects. It, it, it would probably be a transit project, but it could be investment in the port. It could be major improvements on the Beltway, whatever it was that at some level, it's noted that multiple jurisdictions want specific projects that benefit the three plus million people who live in our region. Yeah, and obviously, I mean, Mark Thomas, in terms of the GBC, the Greater Baltimore Committee, you've got employers uh, who are employing people who come into the city, yes. but they don't necessarily live in the city. That's correct. And, it, and you think about not just employers, right? If you're in the real estate industry, you have multiple businesses that need to see access points for a workforce that can come from multiple counties. And so from our perspective, anything that makes that more seamless 
positions us to actually thrive more and attract more jobs and create more opportunity. Let's go to the phones. Richard is on the line in Baltimore. Richard, welcome to Midday with Mike Kelly and Mark Anthony Thomas. Uh, hi, good uh, good to speak with you all. Um, I tell you, I've, I'm retired now, but I worked uh, for an agency that was involved with transportation planning going from the 90s up until 20, mid-2010s. Anyway, all the plans you need have been developed already. The problem is there aren't statesmen or women who are willing to give up a little to get everybody a better transit system. The problem has always been the jurisdictions fighting over the scraps. It's not a problem of not having the plans. They know how to get the funds. Everything is done, has been done in the past. It, this is not new. The words might sound new, but they're not new. What about Vision 2030? Whatever happened to that? When I was involved, we wrote, uh, a guy named Jerry Neely and I, transportation planner, taught me that tra traffic is like water. It expands to meet the container. So if you build more lanes, you're going to get more traffic on them. And we wrote a citizen's guide. It was, uh, I don't know, 20-some pages. The glossary explained what the plans are, how to get people involved. And we were writing it at their behest. And then they cut the funding for distributing copies of it. So the, the work we did never got out to the community for them to understand what they could do to push their leaders to be a little bit more statesperson-like and a little less, I got mine, and I'm not letting you into my area unless I get my way. All right. Well, thank you, Richard. I appreciate that perspective. Mike Kelly, you're in the business of uh, bringing people together to, uh, to fix exactly the problem that Richard's citing here. So Richard made some good points. I mean, the 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 east-west corridor in particular has been in every plan my organization and its predecessors have put out since the 1950s. Um, we know that the east-west spine is the next thing. We just haven't done it. And in terms of statesmen or stateswomen, that's what this commission is supposed to be. This commission is supposed to start transcending uh, some of the um, sort of proprietary decision-making that's happened. And to allow, especially with regard to transit investment, allow our leaders to really start thinking regionally, which is going to create better impact for everyone. Let's go to the phones again to Kathy, who's on the line in Baltimore. Welcome to Midday. Thanks for calling. Hi, Tom. It's Kathy Eppel uh, calling. I wanted to ask uh, your guests if they had looked into the Ameristar rail proposal for a Baltimore crosstown uh rail system, which would include Amtrak. Uh, this would be an east-west route downtown. It would include Amtrak, Mark, and a Baltimore Crosstown Metro. Uh, and they would go into Charles Center. They would start at a parking lot uh, near the Beltway, near close to UMBC, come into downtown. They'd go near the, uh, the, uh, the uh, University of Maryland Hospital, the stadiums, Hopkins, over to St. So Hopkins, the theater district, the research companies, Inner Harbor, uh, Johns Hopkins University, over to Hopkins Bayview, where there'd be another parking lot. Uh, <clears throat> this is this would get Amtrak passengers who want to if who come to Baltimore, they want to be at the Inner Harbor. They don't want to be at Penn Station. Uh, it also would take commuters into to Baltimore. The currently 
proposed uh, BMP tunnel only takes commuters out of Baltimore over to D.C. from northern Baltimore. And by the way, this route would save 10 minutes on Amtrak's route. The, BN- the proposed BNP tunnel only saves two minutes. Okay. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you, Kathy. And Kathy Apple, uh, one of the founders of an organization we talked to yesterday uh, called Resonance Against the Tunnel. This has to do with the BNP tunnel. So, Mike Kelly, I mean, there aren't specific recommendations in this report about specific plans for specific lines and stuff. I mean, the thing that uh, Kathy's organization uh, has advocated is basically to get rid of Penn Station, to move Penn Station downtown to Charles Center. Um, did, did your work group consider this kind of stuff? No, you're right about sort of the focus of our group. We're really looking at at governance structures. Um, I do know that there's been a number of proposals over the years to move Penn Station. Um, I also know that's an incredibly expensive proposal to make, but if it ever appeared to be the right thing to do, um, it's the kind of thing that this commission could partner uh, with MTA and MDOT and the the correct uh, local and and even federal partners to consider, but that would be a massive, massive undertaking. Yeah, can I I add also, when you think about where our train stations are, if you look at what's happening in Boston and Philadelphia, you see really future-focused developments that will amplify kind of those rounding locations. And you can envision here where our station is, what the development plans are in the works, that it really becoming much more of a destination than the harbor may appear to be today in comparison. Yeah. Seriously, I was um, eating dinner a couple of years ago uh, at one of the restaurants on Charles Street right next to the train station. And the maitre d' of the restaurant told me that when the new apartment building that was uh, had just been completed right across the street from the paint, from yeah. Penn Station, from the, right across the street from the parking lot, it's one with all the different colors on the, mm-hmm. you know, red and orange and green, he said it sold out in a heartbeat. I mean, yeah. everybody, you know, just piled in there because they could walk out of their apartment, get on a train, and go to D.C. <laughs> yeah. And he said they had no trouble uh, renting those apartments. Uh, interesting how transit is just so, it's such a magnet for workers and for economic activity. And some of these uh, proposals, as you said, I mean, people have talked about moving Penn Station, you know, for a long time, and, and a number of other proposals. They got to they gotta come up with something. Um, let me ask you about another recommendation before we take a quick break, Mike Kelly. Um, and this is, uh, has to do with the lots program, which is locally operated transit system uh, in the region. Tell us how, how the lots work now and how they would work under your proposal. So the lots are um, sort of briefly the, the local transit agencies, Harford Transit, uh, the, the Towson Loop, um, that, that our local jurisdictions themselves run. They're funded by a pretty complex stream of state and federal funding that goes into it. And and the request here, historically, the lots funding has just been granted by MDOT. There's not a public process um, or a formula that our local governments can rely on. To and again, let me just, for listeners who are on top of it, MDOT is different than MTA. And so MDOT is the Maryland Department of Transportation. And how does that differ exactly from the Maryland Transit Administration? So that's actually interesting because MDOT, our our State Department of Transportation, is where the Maryland Transportation Administration lives. Um, We're one of the few states in the country that has a statewide transit agency. Um, So I apologize. I can can live my entire life in acronyms. It it does not make (laughs) me a very interesting person. 
but but the the lots agencies themselves are simply asking for um, a little more transparency in how their money's allocated and how they might be able to get more to grow their systems, which is something that you know, for example, County Executive Olszewski in Baltimore County wants to do, which like with the Towson circulator. Absolutely, that's, that's part of the lots thing. That is, that's their lots uh, their lots line, and he wants to make that bigger. And they're asking for the state to be a partner in helping to make that happen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Mark Thomas, you, you, you mentioned Boston, for example. Yeah. I know the mayor there, uh, Mayor Wu, I believe, is is asking for uh, much, if not all, of public transportation to be free. Yeah. This, is a, this is a proposal that she ran on. Um, we have a, a Baltimore circulator, uh, County Executive Olszewski put in a Towson circulator. Um, is, do, do you see uh, a, a groundswell of uh, support among the business and nonprofit community that you represent for simply making all transportation uh, cost-free to the consumer? Well, I haven't seen that. That hasn't come across by this yet. Um, but I am watching. It will. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I have, you know, I'm watching what happens in Washington, D.C. And obviously with the Greater Washington Partnership, we work really closely together on uh, Baltimore's transit future. So that impact will be interesting to follow. Um, but I I think we're, we haven't had that conversation, at least at a large scale yet here. Yeah, one of uh, Governor Moore's favorite lines on the campaign trail was you can't have economic uh, mobility unless you have physical mobility. Yeah. You know, you just, you got to be able to get to work. <laughs> it's that simple. We're going to take a quick break. We will come back and continue our conversation about transit in the region. Mark Anthony Thomas is the president and CEO of the Greater Baltimore Committee. Mike Kelly is the executive director of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council. We will have more at 410-662-8780. Our email is midday at wipr.org. Our Twitter handle is at midday WIPR. Charlie is on the line in Baltimore. Charlie, hang with us. Uh, we're going to talk to you as soon as we come back. Stay with us. This is 88.1 WIPR. Welcome back. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. If you've just joined us, we're talking transit today. Governor Wes Moore has included $500 million for an as-yet-unnamed transportation group of initiatives in his budget. The focus of our conversation today here on Midday is a report released Monday by a work group of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council about how best to govern and fund the Baltimore region's transportation system. Governor Larry Hogan canceled the Red Line project in Baltimore in 2015. That was a transit project that was funded in part with nearly a billion dollars of federal government subsidies. The Red Line would have expanded east-west mobility in the city, and many contend that it would have been a substantial driver of economic growth. Governor Hogan did proceed with the construction of the Purple Line in the D.C. suburbs. That project ended up costing considerably more than was originally budgeted. Ironically, the cost of the overruns alone for the Purple Line equaled what it would have cost to build the Red Line. A settlement over a dispute with one of the contractors for the Purple Line is about twice what the state spent to develop the Baltimore Link program, the bus rerouting program that many riders and analysts alike think has been 
something of a failure. Mike Kelly is the executive director of the Baltimore Metropolitan Council. Mark Anthony Thomas is the president and CEO of the Greater Baltimore Committee. To join us, 410-662-8780, our email midday at wypr.org. You can tweet us at midday wypr. Let's go to Charlie, who's on the line in Baltimore. Welcome to the show. Thanks for your call. Yeah, this is the first time I called in, but I had to call in. Um, I drive for Uber, and I've been driving for a while. What One topic that hasn't been discussed yet is how much Baltimore City residents are paying to get their children to school using the Uber transportation. Because the buses are so bad and because they're going to school at dark or late, they don't trust being out there. I have one lady, just to take her son to school, elementary school, because they didn't want to walk through the neighborhood. I think it was like a mile and a half. She spends about $700 a month, you know, in Uber fees. You know, in the morning, all I do is take children to school all day long and in the afternoon. So at 2 o'clock, it starts up again because the families and I ask them, where are you getting this money to pay for these Ubers? They're like, my mom has to pay for it. So then the other thing is they're, when I take people to work and they have to work out in the county, their first two hours of work is, is being is going to Uber. Yeah. And I asked them, I'm like, you realize that you have to work two hours just to get pay for your transportation to work, but it's so bad that that's the only option that they have or they don't feel safe. Yeah, well, Charlie, that's a really great and important point. I appreciate the call. And Mark Anthony Thomas, there is a racial component to transportation. There's a guy named Sam Jordan uh, who runs a, an operation or an organization, uh, the Transit Equity, Transit Equity Alliance. Um, Jim Rouse, Jimmy Rouse, who runs a thing called Baltimore Transit Choices, uh, said a year or so ago that the bus system here in Baltimore uh, is 80 bus drivers short and the light rail system 20 light rail engineers short so it's a it's a person power it's a it's an employee uh, paucity uh, issue i mean jimmy contends that the the, the baltimore link the the actual system uh, isn't at fault it's the fact that there's not enough people to uh, to, to make the system work. Therefore, we've got people uh, showing up to work late. 70% of students uh, uh, polled by the Fund for Educational Excellence um, said that they were late to their first period class sometimes two or three times a week. Uh, it, it's just there are certain people who are served by the transportation system that we have and other people who are not. No, and I think that's, that needs to be part of the conversation. I know, I know the staffing issue is one that we've heard our new electeds really call out. It is one that is central to the Baltimore Transit Futures campaign that we have. I think the, in not talking about some of these underlying racial issues, it, it kind of muddies the conversation on transit. And I think we'll have to really bring that out of the shadows to really have a fair conversation moving forward. Uh, Mike Kelly, we have an email from a listener uh, named Richard, who says one of the biggest opponents to the red line back in the day was State Senator Bill Ferguson. So how will the advocacy community approach him now that he's the Senate leader in Annapolis? What's your take on that? So Senator Ferguson, uh, the Senate president, actually sits on our board. Um, and he was one of the board members who asked us to put this work group together. Um, I, I think his his position on the red line has been misconstrued over the years. Um, it was um, the reality was that that project was canceled by the executive branch. Um, I'm not sure what uh, any legislator 
could have done to to change that. What I do know is that in in recent years, when the Senate president has talked about the red line or a potential east-west corridor, he's been very much in favor. Um, he wants to see it done. He wants to see economic development happen. And he wants to see our transit system be a benefit to both residents and businesses um, so that, as, as Mark was saying earlier, we can be a place that's competitive nationally and globally. Yeah, and, and the fact that we are an outlier, Mark Anthony Thomas, I mean, we are, we are not doing this the way most other jurisdictions do. So that's got to say something when it comes to best practices. And, and do, does your membership, uh, you know, align with that? Are they, they saying, come on, folks, let's, let's get this fixed because we're not doing it right? I believe so. And I think we're all, I think what's great with all the research, and this is kind of the opportunity that we have ahead, is to do much more aggressive public engagement around how much of an outlier we are um, and what we need to do to change that. And it really took me moving here to just kind of (laughs) see the system and realize, wait, Baltimore really has not kept up. Um, and even places that don't have the type of density that we have will have regional transit authorities that are that you can easily get access to jobs across multiple jurisdictions. And so there's all of that that we need to prioritize to really change the fate of our, our, our region. And Mike Kelly, I want to get through the last two recommendations in the report because it's important. There is something called the Maryland Transportation Commission, which already exists, right? Uh, and you're saying that it needs to be reconstituted. It needs to uh, have a, a clearer and, and, and more specific mandate. Uh, what do we need to see the Maryland Transportation Commission? And this is different than the Baltimore Regional Transit Commission that you're also recommending. That's right. The Maryland Transportation Commission was conceived in 1970 when the State Department of Transportation was reconstructed to be a senior level advisory group to the secretary and the governor, a statewide group to weigh in on big issues. Um, in recent years, that their role has really been to dedicate roads. And all we're asking is that that group be reconstituted uh, and empowered to provide the advice that they were supposed to advise initially. Tell us then about uh, conducting a formal study to create something called the Baltimore Regional Transit Authority. How would that differ from the Baltimore Regional Transit Commission? So right now, MTA exists in state government. It has the backing of our state's transportation trust fund. Um, the, The commission that we talked about initially would not remove MTA from that. It would keep MTA a state agency. There's been a conversation since the cancellation of the red line about whether or not we need our own WMATA, our own our own independent. And WMATA is a thing in, in Washington, D.C. Yes, the Washington Metropolitan Transit Authority. And the the question of whether or not Baltimore should have its own separate entity to, to really control our own destiny moving forward in transit, there's pros and cons. We weigh them out in the report. There's a lot that really needs to be considered. First, whether or not it is the right move to make. And then there's incredibly complex issues about what a transition would look like. And that's what this study, which Delegate Bridges, uh, his first bill is actually out. It's House Bill 491. Uh, That's what this study commission would look at is determining first, is this the right move for us to make? And second, what are the steps we have to do to make it happen? And Mark Anthony Thomas, in our last 20 seconds here, who needs to be on that group that's making that determination? Who do, who, do you, who do you think folks need to hear from to decide whether this is the right or wrong move? Well, I think it's a mix of people we've elected and also stakeholders, and that's business, academia, 
key residents. Like all of us need to have some voice um, with the right information to make the right advisory um, recommendations to the people who ultimately would be funding these efforts. All right. Well, welcome to town again, uh, Mark Thomas. It's good to have you here, and uh, I wish you good luck and Godspeed. It's uh, it's an important position to to herd all the chickens that you got to herd <laughs> when it comes to an organization as large and and as uh, you know potentially uh, influential as the GBC. So thank you for your time. Thank you. And Mike Kelly, I think the Baltimore Metropolitan Council, you and I collaborated on a wonderful podcast called Chesapeake Connect, uh, talking about best practices from around the country and how important it is for regional cooperation and that's the work that you do and it's really important so thank you for your time as well well great tom thanks for having us and it was great to see you in person yeah (laughs) we've been we've been doing a lot of zoom back in the day all right mark anthony thomas president and ceo of the greater baltimore committee mike kelly from the baltimore metropolitan council we've got a link to the bmc workgroup report on our website so check that out that's it for us today coming up tomorrow i'll talk to calvin ball he happens to be the chair of the board of the baltimore metropolitan council he's also the executive in in howard county so join us then thank you for joining us today future city is on the way after news at the top of the hour so stick around for that i'm tom hall have a great day This is your public radio, 88.1 WYPR.